Wow, what a difference. The Talkbuster Podcast. Hi, I'm Chris Chipman. You may remember me from such podcasts as the Chipman Brothers Tangent and Creating Geeks, a parenting podcast of great responsibility. I'm here to bring you back to the late 90s, early 2000s, a time of AMRAs and clamshells, a time of late fees and VHS tapes being replaced by DVDs, a time of stale gumballs and overpriced candy. Yes, that's right. I am talking about the time of blockbuster video, the Walmart of the video rental industry, the mom and pop video store killer, the corporate big choice video store that everybody loved to hate. Blockbuster is mostly gone now. Kids today will never know the crazy Friday and Saturday nights with lines wrapped around the store to rent the next big movie. No more will regulars who are in the know arrive at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays to snatch up the new rentals that week before the weekend rush. Most of all, no longer will young movie geeks like myself have the memories I, and many others like me, made while working there. You see, under all of the corporate evil and bad practices, Blockbuster was a home, a comfort, a place where I made lifelong friends and even met my wife. It is because of these memories that I, and I'm sure many of you, have that the Talkbuster podcast was created, a place for me and others to share our memories of what once was, of the before time, of the long, long ago. I'm looking forward to see where this goes, how it evolves. Join me, won't you? Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Talkbuster podcast, a show where we talk about Blockbuster video, video stores in general. And for those of you that are too young to remember, those were a thing where you would go out in public and rent movies. Very weird, um, especially now when we're recording this, because no one is going anywhere. Um, really quickly, before I get into today's uh, special guest, um, I'd like to thank my $15 or more a month patrons. They are Mason, Christopher Finnick, Patricia Chipman, Hugh K. Campbell Jr., Alex Peregrine, Kevin CV, Mike the Gatherer, Tyler Freshcorn, Mark Price, and Collaborating Online, and my newest patrons, Chantel Sorrentino and Kevin Michael Hink. Surprise, surprise, nepotism is real. He's my guest today. Um, <laughs> This week's podcast, as a lot of them are, is brought to you by the Geeks with Shields podcast. Each week, hosts Axel and Elric provide a nerdy escape from the darkest timeline, talking everything from comics to long-forgotten movies and TV shows. If the darkest timeline has you down, check out the Geeks with Shields podcast for all your nerdy needs. Um, And remember, uh, those of you that heard those names at the beginning, if you want to join that group or you want to help me out at all, patreon.com slash the chippa. Very important today even more so than it ever has been. And with that, I'll get to today's guest. Good sir, introduce yourself to the world. Hi, I'm Kevin Hink. How's it going? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Not too bad. Happy to be on the podcast. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I appreciate you uh, reaching out and wanting to be on. So uh, give the people a little bit of an idea who you are, where you're from, and all that good stuff. I am from Cleveland, Ohio. I live in Willoughby currently, uh, not too far from the store that I started at in East Lake, Ohio in 2004. Very cool. So um, what's it like over there? Was, was that a busy store? Is it a busy area of Ohio or is it um, kind of more out in the boonies? It was like a busy-ish store um, when I first started working there. It's funny because back in the 90s, early 90s, my dad would take us to a store called Video Circuit. And it was like okay. a video store straight out of Clerks, you know, small hole in the wall type type uh, video store. And you'd go in there and you'd find a movie. But like new releases weren't a big deal. You know what I mean? Like you'd go in and just find something because it was VHS back in the day. But then yes. Blockbuster opened up right across the street. You know, and us being kids, we saw the commercials, you know, 1993, 1994. 
Dad, why are we going to Video Circuit? Look, there's Blockbuster across the street. We got to go get a membership over there. Apparently, that was Blockbuster's, like, business mindset, you know? Put a store right across from a mom and pop, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's that that's one of the, the weird things. People look back at it through those glasses because, right. you know, Blockbuster is is it's basically, you know, the Walmart or the or the target of video rental. But I mean, that was every big corporate business. And the, the thing the thing that was kind of cool about Blockbuster as an employee, less as a customer. I mean, as a customer, what you got was consistency. Right. It was the McDonald's model. You go into one. It's the same as every other one is every right. other one is every other one. And people liked that. Um, but, you know, what you got as an employee was you still get to feel kind of like you're working in a niche store like that. Right. Like I, I agree like with that. And and um, a weird thing. I don't know if you knew this, but because uh, I didn't know it originally. But one of Blockbuster's original things was they had enough backing, enough money behind them that their idea was you can come to the store and actually touch the rental that you're going to rent and not just bring up some empty box that the clerk has to go into a back room and fill. They were literally the first store to do that. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. And that was like one of their big things. Cause you know, if you remember, I'm sure video circuit was like this, but all of those rental places, when I used to go as a kid, you'd come up and bring them something. The guy would go into some, you know, wall shelf, like a library behind you. Yeah, there were the little, movie for you. little tags that looked like, you know, bread tie, plastic tags. And you, you bring that up with the number and then he'd go right behind and grab the uh, VHS tape from back there. Right. And so, you know, it, it, it kind of I was talking to somebody about how, you know, there's something about putting it physically in your hands. Now, having the cover box is important. And that's yeah. something I think you lose with like a Netflix or something else is you don't have the cover box to touch and feel and look at. I don't know why it's different because you can watch a damn trailer on Netflix. You know, you get more than anything else. But it's just weird. It's something about that human connection of like touching the physical thing that um, is missing nowadays. But uh, right. yeah, the other cool thing I didn't know that Blockbuster did a lot that – um I think uh, people are forgetting, and it's the reason why the last blockbuster in the in the world is still there, because the corporate entity is gone. Is that they bought out a lot of mom and pops, but kept the people that were running the mom and pops in charge. It was kind of like Ace Hardware. Okay. You know, we'll come in, we'll come in and buy, you know, Sully's Hardware, and it'll be Sully's Ace Hardware now. So everyone that still bought from you knows it's you, but you know, you have the backing of this corporate entity. So it kept a lot of businesses that would have failed sooner in business longer and the the one out in bend oregon um the tisher family who owned a video store chain of like five or six stores that all became blockbusters that's still their store they still own it they're still running you know what i mean and i think that's yeah. really cool there, so, there were pictures online of it being in another store before it was that yeah 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 and i forget the name um, right, but uh but um, I was talking to to Sandy over there recently about that. But it, it's just kind of cool that the things that we look back on them kind of being kind of gross about them as a corporate entity is what's kept the brand and that family in business still to today. And I think it's kind of a cool turnaround, right? Yeah. The franchise store is the last one to exist. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. what I'm. What, uh, you know, so did, did you guys end up renting from Blockbuster? So, so yeah, we ended up going to the, the East Lake Blockbuster and it turned out that the video circuit people weren't paying their taxes. So then they went under 
you know. Surprise, so, surprise. What are you going to do? But, yeah, we used to go into the video circuit, throw the ball around with the dog that was behind the counter. You had your uh, cowboy-type doors leading into the adult section. We're like, ooh, Daddy, what's that, you know? <laughs> Daddy's going to be gone for a few there. minutes. Yes, they are. But, yeah, I remember renting uh, Sonic 3 for the Sega Genesis video circuit. My brother would rent Cal Ripken Jr. Baseball. You know, so you get some Sega Genesis games from there. So that puts me back to, what, 93 or 94. I yes, think. So it that does. That was, like, my introduction to the rental industry. But as a kid, like, you're growing up, you're going to Blockbuster. It's a special night. Your dad's like, hey, we're going to get a pizza. Maybe we're going to make a pizza at home. We're going to get, you know, you got to get, drink soda pop at that point. And you're like, oh, man, this is going to be great. Maybe rent a video game. So it brings back a lot of memories. It really does. And, and that that's completely gone. Like, I mean, I know families... We still do that with our kids, you know, rent, right. a, rent a pizza, you know, put something on the TV or do, but I, I don't know. There was something about that being a stop. I don't know why that made well, it so cool. I'm no stranger to working for defunct businesses. There's three that I've got under my belt that no longer exist. And Toys okay. Plus is one of them. Oh and, my uh, God. Really? Yeah. I'd take, I'd take my niece and nephew to my niece and nephews now to, uh, Chuck E. Cheese, and I just have that urge to go to Toys R Us afterwards to go look at the toys because that's what I did as a kid. And it's like, it's yeah. gone now, you know? <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, my friend's like, yeah, man, you've worked at a lot of places that close. But I, uh, my original business that I worked for, uh, my first job was uh, Geauga Lake. It was an amusement park in Aurora, Ohio. Uh, and it was owned by Six Flags. And I started when working for Six Flags in 2003. And uh, after that had happened, I, went into Blockbuster and I think I put the application on and the lady named Judy had called me for an interview, but I was working at Geauga Lake and Blockbuster simultaneously because Geauga Lake was only the summer and Blockbuster right. was the winter time. And then Blockbuster was nice enough to give me one day a week so I could do my job at Geauga Lake as well. So I was doing the two jobs at once, but yeah, that interview, I can remember that day. I hadn't, I didn't have my license yet and I was 18 years old. And I needed my mom to take me to the interview for Blockbuster, and she was busy doing something. So my buddy Bob fortunately gave me a ride up to the East Lake Blockbuster, and I met in the office with Judy, who I'm still friends with on Facebook to this day. And uh, she interviewed me. I impressed her in the interview. But at that point, you had to have a second interview. Did you have to do that? Two interviews? Yes. Yep. Okay. So she set me up with a guy named Patrick, who was the manager of the Euclid store. And he'll come into the story later on. Um, but at the time, he was uh, the manager of the Euclid store. And uh, he interviewed me. That interview went great. She just didn't want me to interview with the guy running the mentor store because he had way too high of a qualification. And she was worried he was going to say no because he was looking for something that maybe she wasn't. I don't know. Maybe she was like, he's like the Cleveland Browns. You know, we always got to pull something out of the hat and it never works. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, but it was great, you know, and, and that, that's the thing, like half my experience at Blockbuster was what you experienced, you know, but a lot of that camaraderie that I experienced was more or less at Geauga Lake. Like I'm still friends with people that I work with at Blockbuster, but like we don't see each other. We're just like friends on Facebook. But the people I work right. with at Geauga Lake, I, we still go out to dinner when the restaurants are open. We still go out to dinner and things like that. We get we have get togethers once a year right around Christmas when everyone's still in town. So oh, I wow. I appreciate the camaraderie that you had with your store. I didn't, I unfortunately didn't get that at Blockbuster. I still had fun, but I had that with, with Geauga Lake and I was at Geauga Lake for five years. Blockbuster. Well, no, every, 
the, the kind of point of this is everybody seems to have a job early on in their life right. like that. It doesn't right. have to be. And that, that's why, you know, uh, you know, I came up with this name and came up with this idea, but that's why it's been so great to get people even through, okay, yeah, I worked at Blockbuster, but let me tell you this cool story about this other place I worked oh, is yeah. one of the fun is one of the fun parts of this show. Um, because, you know, I think people spend too much time thinking there's a very cynical look back that, Oh, that didn't matter. You were young. Forget about it. Stop being nostalgic. And there is some, there is some growing up and maturity that can be learned from cynicism like that. Mm -hmm. But, but it makes you what you are. I mean, like getting, getting back together and talking about stuff you used to do, but also having that be the basis for a current relationship is an important thing. Um, Like I've said before, my wedding party was made up almost entirely of people I worked at Blockbuster with. And that, that that's blows awesome. my mind. Yeah, that's awesome. You, you know, because I've had I've had a lot of friends in my lifetime, but those ones for some reason, and again, they're not even people in my age group. Like okay. this is all th- three to three to ten year older than me people. You know, yeah, I this do, is. I do have that. I still have. I have friends in their forties that I work with at at Geauga Lake. I'm 33 right now. I'll be 34 in May. Right. So, oh, I just turned 36. Okay. Happy birthday. <laughs> hey, thanks, dude. Yeah. Yeah, and so you said the Jago Lake um, Six Flags location closed? Well, it was a Six Flags for one year, okay? Oh. And then uh, Cedar Fair, the, the parent company of Cedar Point. So I was there for the transition over into Cedar Fair. Well, I was also still working at Blockbuster on Mondays, so that was interesting. Are, are you familiar with Cedar Point? Yeah, I've, been, I've actually been to Cedar Point. How strange oh, nice. is that? <laughs> I've been to Six Flags New England, so you know, go figure. <laughs> yeah, Six Flags New England. Right? Six Flags New England had a similar growth. That was a place called Riverside, and yeah. it was in it was in really dire straits when Six oh, Flags. Wow. And they, Six Flags. Say, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry. Go they ahead. say that was like one of the Six Flags is that Six Flags didn't screw up is the one in New England. That's a really nice park now. Yeah, they picked they picked up so so Riverside it, it had a good location, mm-hmm. made it great, and Riverside you know it, it was it was a big deal. Like that's where like every school trip there's Canopy Lake in New Hampshire, which Canopy Lake has lived on its the cheap family alternative to Six right. Flags. Like it's more it's more low key, slower moving. It's more of still a family park. You know, there's mm-hmm. more of an emphasis on come enjoy the wildlife in the in the lake and it has roller coasters but they they don't try to compete you know what okay. i mean they, they, okay but but they're they're local it's easy to get to it's probably 25 minutes from where i am right now it's very southern new hampshire oh you can't six flags new england is a couple hour drive from here right um which is the funny thing about massachusetts because <laughs> you know everything. I mean, God, Foxborough Stadium, where the Patriots play, is an hour or so from here. I you know, know I looked that up just weeks ago. Actually, I never knew that. Uh, my mom is actually from Holbrook, Massachusetts, so that's where. Oh she yeah. Up. So yep. I, I vacationed in Massachusetts every year. My uh, great grandparents are from Roslindale. They lived in Roslindale. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah, we'd go down there. We'd hop on the T, go downtown. Uh, so I'm no stranger to Boston. I haven't been to a Red Sox game yet, but I'd love to go. You should, you should, ride. especially, especially now, because I imagine the tickets are going to be a little cheaper with right. all the, with and, all the mix up. And if you haven't been, you need to go try the Linwood Cafe pizza. I can't remember what city it's in right now. Oh, I've had it. Everybody, oh, that have is, you? Okay, that good. is a 
that is a um a local legend yes as it were that pizza been there for like 60 years and then i did some research and i'm like wait a second i go there's like bar wars like pizza wars out there in that area of, of massachusetts but yeah i haven't been to that area of town in about 10 years uh but yeah i'd love to go back and get a linwood pizza maybe 10 you know <laughs> oh no they're they're fantastic anyone that comes to the area you're you're gonna fly into Boston. The Linwood's a bit of a hike out of Boston, but you gotta right. go there. Exactly. <laughs> That's yeah, we, what I try to remind people. People go, oh, we'll come visit you, you know, and we'll go check out a Patriots game and then do this. And I'm like, yeah, just remember, you're gonna need transportation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's it's not. But I'm not. I mean, I, I we drove. The, the reason I went to Cedar Point. Mm-hmm. Um. And oh, sorry, gotta finish the Six Flags story. So in school like you get into like seventh, eighth, ninth grade and every year they end the year with, Oh, we'll take a trip to an amusement park. So yeah. for the junior high, you went to Canopy Lake and for high school, you went to Riverside and the last year Riverside was open when they were converting it into a six flags, but hadn't called it six flags yet. Mm-hmm. The side where all the new stuff went in was closed down. So we saw them building Superman and everything, but that was, it was a rough time near the end there because it was still all the old wooden coasters and the early on, like they had a corkscrew and a couple other things. Right. But the, the park is just insane now. Yeah, we um, were we were similar to that. With we had gotten four new roller coasters in two thousand, and I think you guys were a year or two before that, or no, yeah. maybe the same year. Because uh, it, it was it was it was ninety nine or two thousand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that is a that is a wonderful ride, Superman. Oh, it really is. It's terrifying. Yeah. I've been on, I mean, I went to Cedar Point. So, you know, you, you, we, we drove out there. We were picking up a buddy in Chicago to bring him back home because um, his flights or something fell through. And we're like, you know, we'll take a vacation. We'll see the country. And we stopped in Cedar Point for a day. And I got to say, I, I like roller coasters. I don't love roller coasters. Okay. You know, like Superman, I love because... It's just an adrenaline rush, but man, Cedar Point had some intimidating freaking coasters. <laughs> Millennium Force, Top Little Dragster. We just got a new one, Steel Vengeance. That's uh, yeah, like, uh, your Wicked Cyclone at uh, Six Flags. Yep. Yeah, yep. It was an amazing place, though. I, I loved how much space there was. Something about the space made everything seem bigger. At Cedar you know Point. I, yeah. yeah, it was just oh, very yeah. well spread out. <laughs> you, you know. Yeah, and, and now you got uh, well, not now. I mean, you've had top those rags for for seventeen years now. It's four hundred and twenty feet. But then two years later, Six Flags in New Jersey builds a four hundred and fifty six foot roller coaster. You know, same yep. type as Top Little Dragster. I went out there and rode that. Man, you know, you're yeah, looking top at parking Hill, lot. <laughs> top Hill Dragster was the one I couldn't work up the confidence to go on. My my buddy Josh and my friend Jared went on it, and yeah. J- Josh was like, he goes, they say sometimes it doesn't make it over. Oh, I so hope that happens to me. I'm like, you're a sick bastard. <laughs> I've never gotten a rollback. But, yeah, that's that's one of my hobbies. I love going to amusement parks, and I, I travel. I Basically, the eastern coast, I've gone to a bunch. And I remember you had somebody on the podcast recently uh, that wrote a book about Disney World. And you're like, does yes. that correlate people working at Blockbuster and in Disney World? And I'm like, like kind of correlates with me. I worked at Blockbuster. I love going to Disney World. I went for the first time at 25. I'm 33, and I'm an annual pass holder now. And I also worked in an amusement park. So it just must be that kind of niche, as you would say. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that, that's what I mean. Because my buddy Steve and his wife, uh, Steve was one of my uh, uh, assistant store managers when I worked there. And he ended up at um, Disney World. 
working at Disney World for f- four or five years. Oh, that's my great. friend Michelle, who was one of my store managers, was a was a um, I think a food vendor manager at Disney World. Did she and do that then, before uh, or after Blockbuster? Um, before and after. Okay. Oh wow! Okay, that's yeah. It's kind of wild, right? And yeah. now she does. Now she runs like six McDonald's stores. I think she's a regional manager for McDonald's. Hey, you can't um, beat that. But, uh, you know, that was Josh Schaefer, the Disney World guy. And what was cool yeah. is he wrote that book while working at Blockbuster, which I yeah, thought I was really hearing cool. that. And actually, on, on my other show, I don't know if you've caught on Creating Geeks, he's the uh, PR manager for Gina Rock, who was the flying Tinkerbell at Disneyland. I do remember hearing that. And yeah, that's, and that's, that's cool. the. Yeah, so I, I, this is a wonderful networking experience. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh,. Shows that the day job is pretty pretty boring, or not not my number, not my number one concern. I have the degree; it makes me money, but this is it, what I like to do. It pays the bills, and I'm in a similar situation. I've got a job with a utility company. I didn't aspire to be what I am, but I'm very happy I am what I am. If that makes sense, yeah. I'm, I'm oh no, absolutely. I, you know. I fell into the uh, the hole of, um, and this is what makes me and me and my brother different is my brother was always an against the grain kind of guy. He was, he was an early on and the way we grew up, mm-hmm. you know, our parents were, were, were fairly liberal in you know, what we were able to do, but our grandparents were very strict. They okay. came, you know, from an older world. And so like, because of my mother's parents, we all went to parochial school. And again, so we're all in Catholic school okay. in Lynn, which Lynn is, Lynn is, um, Lynn's a rough city. Um, that's okay. where I still live. I grew up there. It's got some great parts, but it it's one of the looked down upon towns around here. Um, but we went to Catholic school. Let me tell you, I saw more drugs done in Catholic school and weaponry brought to school than I ever saw in public school. Um, which I, was can, surprising. I can relate to that a, a bit. I can. I, I did do, uh, I think, 10 years in parochial school. Yes. Oh, wow. In 10th grade. Kindergarten. Yeah. 10th grade. Same, I was kindergarten and ninth. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, but my granddad sat, you know, the, all the kids down and would tell, and he did this to his kids too, would tell them what they were going to do for a career. And, and it was, he didn't like, you know, base it on nothing, but like, you know, he told my mom, this boy is going to be an engineer. I would hang out in like his basement and build stuff. It's like what okay, I did. Wow. And so I, somewhere in my head, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And that, But my brother was like, I don't care what people say I'm going to do. I'm carving my own path. And now he's you know, he was one of the early on, you know, internet movie critic YouTube people. So good for him. I have <laughs> checked out your brother's page just a little bit. Movie Bob, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He is. He is a character. Let me tell yeah. you. <laughs> hey, that's awesome, though. You know, if you can make a money doing something like that, working out in the entertainment world, it takes a special kind of person to get that far. It does. It does. Um, yeah. So, so Cedar, yeah, Cedar Point was wild. Didn't get to Cleveland. Okay. Um, I don't know why, because we were onward to Chicago. But uh, um, Ohio was nice. It was big and wide open. And, oh yeah, and we have we have our parts. You know, I live in a, a suburb, so you know houses are pretty close together. Um, yeah. But then if you go out a little bit farther, you're in the country, so you get a little bit of everything. But my grandfather's uh, parents or grandparents had land where a mall was built out in Euclid, and now that's just. You know, house to house to house to house, but at, at that point, 80 years ago, it was farmland. So, you know, we're all just, always just building, building it up around here. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's the way of the world. I mean, it, pe- people think of Massachusetts as a pretty urban, closely, tightly knit place, but 
you get even two or three towns outside of Boston and you're just in farms again. Oh yeah. Wild. We used to make the drive out there as kids, you know, God bless my parents for dealing with four children in the backseat of a a driving from Ohio. (laughs) Yeah. It's like I drove to Massachusetts. I'm like, man, this drive wasn't that bad. It was like 10 or 11 hours. Like it used to take 17 or 18, maybe a, a stop in Utica, New York overnight or something, you know, but you don't realize how much maintenance children are. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it was it was one of those funny things. My granddad, we used to drive to the White Mountains in New Hampshire. Okay. That's what, like every year we went away for two weeks, we went camping and he he would spend, you know, the weekend getting his trailer ready because he was, you know, the, the driveway mechanic. Right. So he'd right. get out there, do all the oil greasing, get all the pistons right and all this. And he you know, I used to tell my parents when I was young, because I was, you know, started really young, probably like five or six, starting to realize how math worked like really well. And I said, okay, so it takes us about three hours to get to New Hampshire and an average car goes 60 miles an hour. So this must be 180 miles away. And my granddad was so impressed by that. But what he, what I didn't realize is no, it's, if you drive a normal speed, like 60 or 70 miles an hour, it actually only takes about an hour and a half to get there. It's yeah. just, he drove 40 miles an hour. It <laughs> <laughs> like, right. sounds like my dad, because we used to drive to Geauga Lake from Euclid, Ohio to Aurora. And it's a, it's a 30, 35 minute drive. We're like, man, this takes forever, and we still give them a hard time to this day. Why did it take you so long to drive to Geauga Lake? Now, remember, I got a job there, and my mom actually would take me to and from work every day because I had no car. So she'd drive a half hour there and then drive a half hour home and then come back later on that night to pick me up and take me home because I didn't get my uh, license until I was late 18. So the first two yep. years I was working there, she's driving me, and I'm like, wow, we get there pretty quick, you know? And I think the quickest I ever got there was like 26 minutes, but my dad had like this knack for getting lost. <laughs> so. We always joke that with my mother. She enjoys the scenery. She she never <laughs> has a direct route to get anywhere. And I found out this is because she, she spent most of her life as a visiting nurse. Okay. So she's like, if I have to drive the same route every time, I'm going to go insane. <laughs> so she found all of these other ways to do it, but they became so part of her they'd be like, you know, mom, there's a direct route. It's like, yeah, but I really like, I, I like the scenery on this route. So you'd take like twice the time because she'd go and hug the seashore to see like the houses or something to get there. That's great. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have those jobs where you need like that time in the car to decompress before you get to work. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so b- back to this, I, I love this show so much. Um <laughs> Back to the beginning. So why why Blockbuster? You said you were already at Six Flags at the time or at um, Geauga Lake? Yeah, so I was working at Geauga Lake and I wanted a job. I had graduated in 2004, so I needed a job for the wintertime. My dad always said, if you're not learning or earning, you're not living with me. So I needed a job. So uh, I always liked going into Blockbuster, renting video games, movies, things like that. So I was like, man, that'd be great. Like in high school, like you know, working at Blockbuster would be great. And I had never had a job that wasn't seasonal. Like, uh, 2003, I worked at Party City selling Halloween costumes for, like, two months. And I almost got hired on, but then they decided not to hire me on. And I'm like, man, it'd be great to just have, like, a full-time job that doesn't end. So uh, right. I put in for Blockbuster. And, you know, you had to fill out, like, that 50-question test and all that stuff. Uh, oh, the, the, the are, you a, are you psychotic evaluation? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so I got through the interview process, you know, did training. I actually did train at the Mentor store with the guy my manager didn't want me to interview with. 
But I got along great with that guy. You know, him and his store uh, manager, I think they're still best friends to this day. They operated their store really well. And they had, like, a great crew. Like, you know, they had things going. You know what I mean? And right. you're, you're right with your show. They, they always broke up those good crews. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. I worked for uh, the Eastlake Blockbuster throughout 2004, from November 2004 into 2005. And I was doing Monday shifts during the summer. And then I think, no, it was probably late October. Uh, they were looking for managers. And people were going around saying, hey, you know, you should put in for, we need shift leaders. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'll put in, you know, my manager came up to me. She goes, Hey, you'd be good at this. You should put in for a shift lead spot. So I put in for the shift lead spot and they, I don't even think they interviewed me. I think they just hired me on as a shift lead after that, you know, but I had to go do the modules and the training. And it's funny, Thor, I believe was in Meadville or Edinburgh, PA. I think it was Edinburgh, PA. So I had to drive 75 miles because that was still our district. We were district 712. Uh, I had to yeah. drive uh, 75 miles to go work shifts and do modules at this uh, training store. So it was like a, it was a snowstorm all week. And I'm driving my car out there in the middle of a snowstorm. I should have just got a hotel. It was crazy coming home, you know, because the store is open till midnight. So that was my shift lead training. And then I ended up after that, they moved me from the East Lake store to the men around the lake store. The Eastlake store was like a well-oiled machine. I worked Monday shifts for my store manager while she was doing all the paperwork and whatnot. And, you know, we had a good group together. And a lot of those people that I worked with at the Eastlake store went on to be managers at other stores. Right. So that worked well. And, uh, you know, I got to Men Around the Lake. And we, you know, I should I should just roll back a little bit. Um, yeah. When I first started with Blockbuster, the first two or three weeks, they had me working at the Willoughby store to learn because it was a slower store. And there was a, a manager, Ron, and uh, he was getting ready to close the store because what Blockbuster did back in the day, not only for the Mon Paz, but if there was like a Hollywood video, they would put a Blockbuster across the street from the Hollywood video. Even if that Blockbuster wasn't making money, they would keep that open just so their presence was right across the street from Hollywood video. So you knew. Yes, they did. So I actually uh, worked at that while they were uh, closing down the Willoughby store and moving all of their old inventory over to our store to sell uh, as PRP or to uh, rent out. So we had to transfer all their inventory into our system. But, yeah, it was interesting. Very small store. It's at Chipotle now. <laughs> a lot of them are. Chipotle was a big was a big one that dropped in. Yeah. Chipotle's um, banks. We a lot of blockbusters yeah. became banks around here. Hollywood videos of Panera now. So it was <laughs> bigger. It had the the game crazy or whatever it was called. Um, but yeah, so when I went to the Men Around the Lake store, Ron actually worked at the hospital and he was running the Men Around the Lake store. So uh, it was him and then the assistant manager Dave. But that worked out well too. You know, we were getting along great there. And I don't know how Ron did it. I think at one point Ron was running the mentor store who had no manager and also running the uh, men around the lake store who had no manager while working at the hospital. And it's like, <laughs> this guy's doing the job of two managers and working a second job. So it's crazy. But yeah, chaos. it worked out great at that men around the lake store, though, for the first couple months. But yeah, we were a, an online fulfillment store. Were you familiar with those? I've heard about it. That, that, so when was this? What year? This was 2006. And it's yeah, funny. So, 
I'm sorry. It's, I'm surprised none of the stores I worked in became one okay. because I I worked. I knew that they were happening, and I was still working for the company into 2008 ish, 2009 ish. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, clue me in. Keep going. I just I, I've heard about these from a lot of people and never uh, never experienced one. Well, I thought you'd find this interesting because the Men on the Lake store I worked in was another store that was set up to go up against Hollywood Video. But it, this, is, this is all in the same plaza. So you got Blockbuster, you have uh, the Hollywood Video, and then we have Giant Eagle as a grocery store. They also had their own rental store, too, called Eagle Video. So we had people returning movies from Hollywood or Eagle Video to us. So we almost knew each other by name at that point, the three stores. Like, hey, you know. Oh, yeah. We got one of your videos. We'll drive it over later. Just want to let you know we have it. But it's like rental was that big that they had three stores in the same plaza, you know. But, um, yeah, w- because we were a uh, store that did online fulfillment and we were a slow store because we were just there to take on Hollywood video, we really only got busy on Friday and Saturday nights. So, you know, I tried to. This was before smartphones. I'd try to make the FOS report last as long as I could. Um, you know, we'd, <laughs> we'd do 10 online fulfillments, so I'd try to make that last as long as I could because you just get bored during the day. Day shift was – nobody came in. It was very boring. <laughs> but once I – at that point, I started to say, hey, you know, can you put me on second shift? At least there's a CSR to talk to. And it was a little bit busier. Yeah. We were, uh, we got slammed every oh, store. I was in. the busiest stores. Yeah. Oh man. It, it was crazy. Um, even our day shifts when you got later in the week, cause okay. earlier in the week, yeah, you, they, all they needed was a manager. Um, my buddy, Tim usually worked as well, just because the customers loved him. Okay. Like we, we ended up, uh, we ended up getting a, especially at the first store I was at. Um, the Salem, Massachusetts store. We had Tim had worked there. Oh God, I'm I'm thinking maybe 15 years. It was a long time that he worked there, and he was a day shifter the whole time. He either worked, he either worked 10 to 10 to five or two to 10 or two okay. to eight or whatever. Like he was, and the customers expected it. They would come in and they'd go, Oh, you know, um, let Tim know I'll come see him tomorrow. You know what I mean for a recommendation? Mm-hmm. Like it was, I mean, it was wild. Um, and so we started getting busier in the day because word started getting around that that guy worked during the day. Oh, nice. <laughs> and, and we actually were able to convince the regulars, hey, if you want to actually find this movie that you want, come on Thursday, you know, during right. the day. Because you'll still have it for two days. You'll be able to bring it back Saturday. And because that's what my parents used to do. They, they'd rent a movie on a Thursday night and watch it to make sure it was okay to watch with us. Right. And then, that, and then that way they didn't really have to pay attention. They could be being parents, you know, cause we were you know, crazy and whatever, but we got to see the movie. I remember so many movies from my childhood being done this way. The, the Wayne's world flicks, oh, yeah. um, grump, grumpy old men, you know, yeah. movies, movie, movies that my parents had to, you know, screen, um, just, to, uh, the great outdoors, you know, yeah. that they were watching, you'd, we'd hear them because you don't go to bed when you get sent upstairs. Hear them laughing. We're like, oh, great. It's going to be a good one tomorrow. You know what I mean? And, and then you weren't allowed to watch it or you were? Usually were. But sometimes, okay. you know, sometimes they would have rented something. They're like, yeah, that's not appropriate. But that's where <laughs> Wednesday nights with my dad came in. So you talked about, you know, the 
the soda pop and the pizza. Well, my mother was a, uh, um, she worked bingo for the school because you, you got, you actually had to pay more tuition if you didn't, you know, uh, slave yourself out for the church. My dad would do bingo takedowns at at our church. So my my mother went and did it. And so that was like a three or four hour night. So my dad would rent a movie or put on a movie from his collection and take us out to dinner at the bar that he frequented. That was also a restaurant. And so as a kid, this was cool. Like, you know, we get to go to the place we're not supposed to go. And that's where we'd see Caddyshack and animal house and up in smoke. (laughs) Don't tell your mom. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And it was funny because it was like, what what was the, I'll fast forward the sex. Didn't matter what else was in the movies. That's how it was with uh, Titanic. I can remember watching Titanic yep. with my dad. and All right, kids, cover your eyes. And then he fast-forwarded through the scene. Uh, little did he know I went and grabbed the tape the next day and put the scene on because I wanted to see it. What was it? 19, oh, of course. Nine, 13 years old at the time. You know? 1997. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so even worse. Sorry, yeah. guys. <laughs> my name is Gebetto Funkin. One shoe stumble, knackle timber shivers at your service. I'm looking for some friends of mine. The many pennies? The many pennies. Them... I know we've been really busy, but I think that all we need to do is just tackle the next thing on this 24-item to-do list, and we'll be fine. Someone bring me some food. Also, my flask is empty. I need a refill. Nobody panic. I may have lost several scorpions. I said nobody panic. Check out this new skin patch on my cloak, guys. Guys? You know, I might be looking for someone else. I don't blame you. Adventure Incorporated, a Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition actual play adventure podcast. New episodes every Monday. Find us at adventureinkpod.com. Yeah, and it, it, it's funny because it's a, a, a similar situation. Like, we used to watch Major League Two all the time, and it was it, PG. So we're like, I've seen Ra- Major League Two. I want to see Major League One. So we get yes. it, and it says rated R. And I'm like, this has got to be a misprint. How could this be rated R? We get, like, 25 minutes in the movie. My dad's like, yeah, kids, you can't watch this. This is not for you, you know? Yeah, it's a crazy big difference between Major League and Major League Two. Right. <laughs> Same and, and humor. The, just who's it about? The Cleveland Indians. So <laughs> you gotta watch it. Oh yeah. So, oh, those yeah. movies. Those movies are great. I love um, the coach in the second one when he's in the hospital because his stress is too high. Oh and yeah. He's got the he's got the French soap opera on TV but he's got the ear bited and he's jumping up and down and the nurse comes in and he goes, I love this French shit. (laughs) It's like the jokes from those movies, they weren't meant to be real, but then they came true anyway. You know what I mean? Yes. If you're watching major league two and uh, the owner doesn't have enough money to run the team anymore. So he sells all the sponsorship on the walls. And that was a joke (laughs) back in the nineties. And now that's what the walls look like. And now we have on uniforms, you know, yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, I mean, store, now, now back to the blockbuster, but stores like yours were always intimidating to me. Um, I kind of was like an hours whore, if you will. So people always knew they could call Kevin at Menor or Menor on the Lake and he would come and uh, cover a shift. So I actually worked at like nine different blockbusters over my time. But, you know, I'd pick up the keys, get the security code uh, and come in and, and run a shift at these different stores. But yeah, the Euclid store was busy as hell. And the Mayfield store, even during the day, like you would be the CSR, not the CSR, you'd be the manager on duty and you'd just be behind the counter. I'm like, 
I feel bad, but I'm never going to get these movies back on the shelves for the next shift because I always wanted the cart to be clear, the the, um, the drop box to be clear as well. But, you know, yep. some of those stores, you just couldn't do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes, uh, sometimes we challenge ourselves and just put my boss and myself on on a Friday night. Yeah. Just the two of us. Yeah. And, like, have somebody on call just in case, but see how well we could handle it. Okay. <laughs> it was chaos just to, like, deal. We had lines around the store. Oh, oh yeah. I, I mean, I, I do remember those nights. Like, when I worked at the East Lake store, they closed the Shoregate store, which was, like, a mile and a half from the East Lake store. And that's when the East Lake store really started to get busy. And people were like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you closed the Shoregate store. Like, that was my place. Like, I really loved it. And it's like. There's nothing they could do. They didn't renew the lease. They were building new homes over there, you know? So yeah. here we are, you know, just come here. But, man, is it crazy to just think, like, 2004 was the peak of that business. You know what I mean? Yes, it was. And, and like, shortly after, I can remember managers starting to have to work 46 hours a week instead of 40 because they were trying to cut back the budget. And then they were taking money out of petty cash. They were having to send money back to them in a deposit. So we wouldn't have as much petty cash because it really started yeah. to look for money at that point in 2005. It's, it's interesting for it to peak and then come down as, as hard as it and did. What, so was, what was crazy is in 2003 and 2004, they were having that giant like it, they, they really thought it was going to keep taking off. Oh, yeah. Like they they you know, we had they had like that big like nationwide corporate meeting that all happened on the same night that was simulcast, you know, and. It, it was just crazy, like how how much they really doubled down, and then it just it dropped like a like a bad habit. It was really bad. Yeah, they were talking about buying Hollywood Video, you know, and then yeah, it, it would have been. I think Movie Gallery bought Hollywood Video at that point, but yes, uh, I couldn't believe it. And then you know, shortly after, like the movie passes, for instance, like when I first thought about working at Blockbuster, I'm like. This should be easy. I'm just running movies. And then, like, your manager's pulling you aside and, and they're going you, like, I want you to sell 10 pieces of candy. I want you to sell six movie passes tonight. You know, would you like any popcorn or candy with that? You know, how about the movie pass? And it's like, okay, it's Friday night. You know, we've got a line of 15 people. It's kind of hard to sell movie passes when you only have two CSRs ringing people out. Were any of your stores the ones that they had the brilliant idea that they should be open an hour later? Uh, the Euclid store was. And I did get to do that one time. That was horrendous. Yes. I, no one came in. And if they did come in, it was just the normal people that would knock on the freaking window 15 minutes after you closed. Oh, that man. weren't looking for movies. They were looking for ice cream and snacks because they were stoned to the bejesus. We right. didn't rent any movies after midnight. They just knew we still had candy. Right. Like that. Now, did you um, ever close a store alone? Like, did you ever work without a CSR at night? Um, there were a couple of times as, as a manager that I did, but it was after 10 p.m. Okay. Yeah, I got kind of fed up towards the end of my career there because we just didn't have the staffing. So my manager would actually make me work certain shifts alone at night. And, I, and like, I think at that point we closed at 11 because things were starting to go down. This was like 2006, 2007. And uh, yeah. I, I, I think I closed at like 10.59. And some lady's like knocking on the door, and, and like I have the drawer put away. It's in the it's in the uh, safe. I'm trying to get out of there, and uh, she's like, "Please, can I just come in and rent one movie?" I'm like, "Is it really that important at 11 o'clock at night? You come in here and rent one movie, you know?" <laughs> but I, I can totally relate. 
Did you ever have um, a power outage where the company made or like the registers go down where the company no. made you do everything manual? No, but that was one of the things that was on my list. Like this better never happen because this sounds terrible. It happened so many times. Oh man. <laughs> It happened so many times. You had to write down. I remember the form for that. You had to write down the code for the movie, the customer's credit card number, and then manually check in everything. Yep. And if they paid cash, you had to do it out of petty. So you had to like try to make change out of the petty cash. And it's just oh, like, wow. oh, my God. And then separate that out uh, with the receipts. It <laughs> it was because the, the store, the company, people were joking now. I, I saw a meme go around. And yeah. It was great to see Sandy Harding. Um, from the from the Bend, Oregon store, jump in, but they are one hundred percent right. Blockbuster was the way GameStop has been being, which oh, I don't yeah. know if you saw, but they were they just had to be forced by the mayor of Boston to close. Like yeah. he literally went there and said, "No, like yeah. stop what you're doing." Well, <laughs> um, GameStop they, is they, so hard up for money right now. Yeah, no, I mean, I I, I feel their pain. Cause, oh yeah, block. Blockbuster totally would have been the same way, though. I don't. I'm sure you heard the episode. We had a chemical fire extinguisher go off, yeah. <laughs> and they told us not to close. We had to get the fire department. Like we kept the store open, but didn't let right. anybody in because they were. We were in the corporate store, like the corporate regional office. Like they would have come in and like gotten freaking angry, you know. But but it was like we're not letting anybody in here. Like we locked the doors and just went and stood outside and waited for the fire department to handle screaming at our bosses for us. It was nuts. And see, that's where that's what makes me question their business model because I feel like Blockbuster could still be around in some capacity right now had they not been so reliant on everyday sales. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm no businessman, but at the same time, like, hey, we need this from you. Sell this, sell that. You put a lot of pressure on your employees by doing that. And uh, you're also counting on that money that you haven't made yet. And that's where I think they went a bit wrong. But yeah, you know. they, they leaned too hard in there and didn't invest it. Like, because because Blockbuster is a business model originally was, hey, Viacom and Paramount Pictures wanted to right. open a video store. So that's right. what they did. So they already had a stream of money. The video store was just a way to monopolize on we, we can get our product out through our own entity. And, you know, they, they, it, and again, I guess there's a, there's a book or a, a film coming out where I don't know if it was John Antiaco. It's one of the guys that was there near the end that basically does a tell all about, you know, what really went down. And it'll be really interesting because I've talked to some of those guys that are still around offline and oh, they wow. had nothing and they had nothing but the best intentions for the company. The, the person at the very top, never really seemed to be ignorant or or mm -hmm. money hungry you know or in, in in a bad way right you know what i mean it just seemed like there was a lot of poor decisions and it, it's kind of like the nintendo thing it's an inability to grow right. and see the writing on the wall um like they got into the netflix game a little bit too late and tried to buy Netflix, but Netflix wasn't really interested. Their their long game was the streaming thing, and Blockbuster saw no interest in that. Right. And, yeah, they're always and, one step behind, and in businesses, you can't be that way. And, and and I don't know if you remember, but the streaming thing with Netflix was a giant gamble. I remember oh, yeah. hearing about it, going, "That's stupid. I don't right. want that." You, you you know what I mean? Yeah, and sometimes that's what you have to do to be successful. But the Blockbuster Online, were you ever a member of that? Yes, I was. 
it wasn't bad. I mean, it was a good service, and then being being able to check the movies in at the store, the total access and all that, that was great. No, it, it was a damn good idea. They yeah. just got into it too late. Yeah. I think I think Netflix had um had already bitten off too big of a chunk of that yeah. world. Yeah, because if you that. notice, no one after that ever tried to go up against Netflix's home rental model. No right. one did. It, right. they, they've tried to do the streaming thing, and other people have been successful. But yeah, Blockbuster Netflix, could have been in on the ground floor. Netflix still has their D- DVD mail-in service. Did you know that? They do, and they don't. Adver- I still use it, and they don't advertise it. They said we basically make enough money off of the streaming that we could do this and not even charge people if we wanted to. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I just signed up for it a couple weeks ago because I heard you talking about Session 9, so I wanted to rent Session <gasps> 9. And I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to watch it today. But uh, it, Oh, please send me a message and let me know what you think. That movie is a, is a gem as far as I'm concerned. You can't, you can't find it to, to stream anywhere, you know? So nope. I Like, well, Netflix mail-in service month so i'm gonna do this so i did it a couple weeks ago and it's been sitting on the shelf so i'm gonna do that today um since it's my off day oh i think i think you'll like it especially if you like especially if you like um different like low budget indie horror it's and just knowing while you're watching it that this is legitimately a real place that they're filming this at is oh yeah it's super apartment there Oh my god, yeah, yeah. Look it up after it'll see what the apartments look like. And like apartments have mysteriously burned down there with no explanation and stuff. Oh, it's wow. it's very odd. That's that whole great. place. It, I it, mean, not- if you believe I don't I am not sure what I believe in, but that place is freaking cursed. If there's yeah. no place in the world that it is it's that place. Yeah. No, I'm looking I'm looking forward to this movie. I've been trying to watch it for a couple weeks and I got the time today, so I'll probably sit back and, and take a look. It's a cool flick. Did you, did you ever watch The Machinist with Christian yes. Bale? It's the yes. same guy that made that. Oh wow! You know yeah. we have a, um like an independent theater around here. It's called the Cedar Lee, and it's from like nineteen forty five ish. You know, and you can go in there, and they were like one of the first theaters where you could buy beer, and then they play all the independent films. So that's where I saw The Machinist back in the day. Oh. That's where I saw Brokeback Mountain. Uh, what else is the other one? monster with uh, Charlize Theron? Saw those yep. at the theater we, too. we saw Monster as a store. Oh wow! That That's was awesome. one because it, it played at the local late night, like one AM Showtime indie theater. So we all went. That movie was harsh. Oddly, <laughs> I I own the movie, and every now and then I go back and watch it. You know, I don't know why, but like I've seen it like five or six times. It doesn't seem a like the movie. movie should be watching that often, but. No, Every but it's it's just a hell of a movie. Very yeah, if, well done. If you uh, know the uh, Ferris wheel scene, that was recorded in Orlando, Florida, at the Fun Spot, where they're on the Ferris wheel. The Ferris wheel's still there. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it says Fun Spot right on the Ferris wheel. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. So um, what um, do you remember any giant releases? that like are just sticking your head of like things that people just went nutty for or were an absolute like movies you were just sick of having to tell people you didn't have or movies that you hated that you were I wanted to like get into that yeah uh yeah. dodgeball dodgeball was a big one when i first started uh-huh so i'm working there and at the time yeah sure i'll check the uh i'll check the dropbox that's fine let me check the dropbox for you but then you know you start to work there a little bit longer and uh Sure, I'll check the Dropbox. So, so one guy would come up. Hey, can you check the Dropbox and see if the Departed is in? That was another one. 
So I'd check the Dropbox, and it's not there. And then I'd go to ring them out, and then you'd hear dong dong, and it would be two movies that had just dropped, got dropped off. And customers would do this all the time. Hey, I just heard two movies in the Dropbox. Uh, you think you can go uh, check, even though you just checked 30 seconds ago. I'm sorry. I'd go in there. I'd look in the Dropbox. And even if it was the movie they were looking for, yep. because they asked me to check a second time, I said, no, we don't have it. And it was in there. And I'd immediately take it, check it in, and put it back on the shelf. You know? Full but, disclosure. We, yeah. And you know what? It might make us, to, to you people listening that have never had to deal with retail customers, <laughs> That might go, you guys are jerks. Why would you? One, it was also a younger time in our lives. Exactly. There is not a person I know that worked there that didn't do that. That is the classic, you forgot your keys, clerk's moment of just like, you know what, dude, screw you. (laughs) Why (laughs) are you treating people this way? (laughs) They're um, not getting that movie. I'm sorry. Come in on a day when we're not busy. Come in on Tuesday like I told you to, and we'll have plenty of copies of The Departed. (laughs) And people would be so angry on Fridays. and be like, why don't movies come out on Fridays? I'm like, I don't know. They come out on Tuesdays. But I'm letting you know that there was 50 copies of that movie on Tuesday. There's no movies tonight. I'm sorry. You know, we had the entertainment specialist and the free rentals because they were guaranteed in stock. But it's funny. Tuesdays were a big day for, like, movie pass people. They'd come in on Tuesdays. And we had one lady who will remain nameless. But she'd come in every two hours and return her movies, you know. So we knew what she was doing, you know. And those people would always just brag about it. Like, oh, hey, I'm pirating this movie, you know. And then I'm bringing it back two hours later. And it's like, you know, sometimes she'd come to the store four times in a day. So there'd be uh, eight movies rented in one day. I'm surprised there was, like, no alarm that went off at Blockbuster. I mean, maybe she went home, started the movie, said she didn't want it. Like we do with Netflix. You start a movie on Netflix now and you're like, eh, this ain't my thing. It looks like a B-rated movie. I'm going to shut it off. But yeah, she must have had 6,000 pirated movies from the movie pass. And they knew that's what they were doing. I mean, Netflix knows that it's home rental, like, is basically entirely just a pirating service now. Oh, pretty much. I mean, even with, uh, well, look at what they did with the DVDs now. You're not getting the actual DVD copy when you rent from a Redbox. It's just a movie without the special features. And I was hoping, actually, you know, well, not hoping. I was surprised they didn't do that from the beginning. Yeah. Because, and and again, for, as a business model, as a renter and a lover of renting at the time, and the previously viewed thing, that would have really sucked for Blockbuster's business model, even though previewed anything screws, actually rental in general, but previewed anything screws over the people that made the product not not necessarily the big company but for a smaller title you know that oh, yeah. that's one reason why GameStop I, I know there was a there was a class action lawsuit for a while that was attempting to stop places to do previewed things okay. the way that they were doing it because video rental the way video rental started was you paid a huge premium price you paid like a hundred or 150 dollars right. and then you paid off that rental lease. And then it was yours. Right. And then you made the money off of it after that. So a mom and pop place didn't make money off of the tape until it rented, you know, 20, 20 or so times. Right. Uh, Blockbuster, because they were owned by a movie company, got discounts. And eventually, you know, after a while, it was just, no, it's $20. It's the price you pay for it. And it's it. But with a video game, think about this is a $60 game. GameStop makes their percentage off of selling it. And then. All immediately, you know, people beat it in a week, come and sell it back, and then they get to sell it again for five bucks cheaper. That's a hundred percent profit for GameStop after that. It's right. a brilliant business model for them. 
It is, yeah. but yeah, to me, it's like uh, I might as well just buy a brand new one if it's five dollars more expensive. You know what I mean? It's not right. cheap enough for me. But some people felt like they were getting a deal, and then you right. get the oh well, if you return three games of your own, you get twenty percent off a previewed game, and now all of a sudden they're loading themselves up, right? Right. So that's one of the big reasons why all the indie developers went um, went online. And why independent movies don't, you know, we're, we're having, because every, you know, Blockbuster and all the rental stores were pushing that you can have 500 copies of Transformers Revenge of the Fallen here for sale. Mm-hmm. And don't, don't worry about this. You know, forget about that small movie. We got one copy of it. We're never selling that thing. Right. You know, and so it it's just weird how. I, I like the direction the business model is going in now because you're able to see a lot more of the stuff that wouldn't get pushed normally and right. everyone being able to access it and not having a runoff run out of physical copies is a cool idea. There's but, a, a great movie you should keep on your radar. The lodge. I went and saw that in theaters. It was, oh, I heard it was one awesome week. and it was it, freaky. I mean, there were points where I was just like covering my ears. I'm in the theater alone, you know, I'm like, this is too loud. What's happening right now? I don't know, you know, and it's just very, very unique. Didn't mean to interrupt you, but that was a great movie. No, no, this, you didn't interrupt. That, that's what this is all about. But it, yeah. the, the, the thing that bothers me about the lack of physical stuff is that it can disappear at any time. Oh, yeah. For, for I sure. don't like that. And that's the same with video games, right? Like, I've, I've bought a few games digitally on my Switch. Yeah. Because it's cool. Like, I don't have to have the physical cartridge, but I keep forgetting that they the physical cartridge will never be able to block my ability to play it offline. Right. Exactly. Right? But they can do a quick firmware update that blocks me from being able to play it anymore. If they've decided that that's not available anymore. Right. And that that's the same with Netflix. How come the whole world doesn't have access to the same movies on Netflix? I'll never know. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, I know. Like in the UK, the UK just got Disney plus. Yeah, and I heard that Disney Plus will sometimes release movies in different countries, but then not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that—that's a wonderful service, Disney Plus. Oh, it really is. I, I, I it's they—they they came out the the gate, and it just works. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. wonderful. I can watch any Star Wars movie I want to watch. I mean, there's a couple that are on Netflix, but I have Netflix too, or I have someone's password. You know, and it works. <laughs> no, exactly. It, 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 it's just all wonderful. I I had really hoped. I, I'm thinking if if Dish Network were smart, which they're not, but but if they were, yeah. Um, with this resurgence of nostalgia, oh, they yeah. would they would either partner up with just to get the name brand back out there, mm-hmm. or create create a digital streaming service and call it Blockbuster Online again. Yeah, I don't see why they don't. Because you know, hell, they could they could um, partner it in with that last franchise store and get like you know a even if it just gets them a couple of years of you know a boost in revenue. I'm right. surprised they didn't. I'm surprised they didn't do something like that with Captain Marvel. You know, they right. they sold they sold off the license and the name for the movie. Exactly. And it got people talking. You there know? were there were a couple pop up type deals that I saw. There were, online. and it's like you know they brought back the old white shelves. And, uh, you know, just some t-shirts or something, but yeah, other yeah, dumb, than that, dumb that's good. all I've seen. Yeah. Dumb good makes a whole line of blockbuster apparel. Oh, okay. Be cool. Yeah. I do have a shirt and the only shirt that I have left from when I worked at blockbuster was my employee of the month shirt. So it was like a light shirt, but yeah, that was great. I I'm upset that I don't have my, uh, 
end of late fees shirt because that was a big deal. Uh, I, I only had to deal with late fees for like three weeks and then everything changed, you know. But like you said, with those uh, VHS tapes, they would go for like 150 bucks and charge $150 off on someone's card, you know, when yep. the restocking fee would go into effect or after that. Oh, I thought I could just keep the movie forever. Nah, it doesn't work that way. No, no more late fees means you need to keep it a couple extra days that's fine you know and here i am going back into my old cell from 14 years ago trying to explain this to people <laughs> yeah how do you get how do you come up with a we all tried it the proper demeanor to basically tell someone if you bring that back you're going to get all that money back every single bit of it except for like this little four dollar and fifty cent charge to restock it but that's right. well that's a late fee i go yes it, it's a restocking fee meaning yeah. that we're going to give you the everything back but that 450 Right. And, and, and other companies have restocking fees. It's normal. Our restocking fee was only $1.33. Yeah, it was something like that. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I, I worked at the, the Men Around the Lake store was going on. And uh, I had those two managers that I was working for, and it was great. And then they moved a shift lead from shift lead to store manager. And that's where things started to get a little crazy. Because um, she would call on Friday nights. Hey, Kevin, uh, you know, it's so-and-so. I don't want to say her name. Uh, how many movie passes have you sold yet? I'm like, no, I haven't sold any. You know, I'm, I'm trying. Well, Kevin, we need, we need at least eight of them tonight, you know. And then an hour, every hour on the hour, you knew it was coming. And she was so paranoid that they promoted her to store manager that they promoted her to store manager to fire her. And I was like, no, they didn't do that. They promoted you to store manager because you know what you're doing. You're good at what you do. But um, she eventually led me to quit uh before i went back to geauga lake for the 2006 season um but yeah so i worked at geauga lake for a couple months i missed blockbuster i put my application in because my assistant store manager was now running the store where the manager that was driving me nuts was working uh at the time and she this this lady was now managing the mentor store so i put my application in Dave, great guy. He's like, hey, Kevin, you can come work for us. You know, you could be at the store. So my district leader called me and gave me like a dollar two raise. So I was at like 902 an hour or something like that to be a shift leader in 2006. And that was the most money I'd ever made. But the yeah. former manager. My assistant, my assistant store manager pay was $10.80. Oh, wow. And I was so happy. What, what, what year was that? That was, but again, that was assistant store manager. So shift okay. lead was way less than that. Okay. Shift lead was like eight fifty. Um, no, assistant store manager was in two thousand five. Okay, that's yeah. That, this was yeah a year or two later, and um, but I had I started I was at seven seventy five as a shift lead, and then for her yep. to move me up to nine oh two to bring me back. But the manager from Men Around the Lake that made me quit saw that I put my application in and quickly snatched me over to her store. So I'm like, great, I left because of you, and now you're rehiring me, and now I'm at your store, and I wanted to go work for Dave, because Dave's <laughs> chill and easy to work for, you know? But she didn't last very long at the Menor's store. She ended up going to Painesville. And then I had this, this other manager, uh, Beth, who had come in. And me and Beth, we worked well together, but she, uh, we had some CSR. Like, like the CSRs at like Menor on the Lake and East Lake, they were all cool. Everyone did their job. We all did our part. But then we got some CSRs at Menor store, and it was like they didn't want to do anything. So I'm stocking shelves, ringing people out, and these guys were taking lunch breaks all night long. 
So yeah. I try to tell my store manager, like, hey, these guys aren't working too well. I mean, they're kind of just filling a space, you know. So at that point, like, I started to lose interest in Blockbuster. And uh, I had let my manager know she hired a couple better guys, you know. So that was that was good. And Geauga Lake had come about in 2007. I was starting to work there again. And you remember the four-star CSR? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they, I got demoted, but by my own admission, to be the four-star CSR. And they were trying to make me run shifts alone again as the four-star CSR without a CSR. So I had had enough. And I had a, uh, what was it? I had a test the next day at Geauga Lake for one of the rides. And uh, I texted my store manager that morning. And I said, hey, uh, I'm not going to make it in tonight. I got to call off. It was like 730 in the morning. She's like, so you're going to call off through a text message? And I go, well, I could call you at the store in an hour and a half, but you're at work. You're not at work right now. You know what I mean? And uh, she goes, well, I just think it's a little unprofessional. And I told her, I said, well, if you'd like it, I could quit right now if you want. <laughs> so I ended up, that's how I left Blockbuster. I quit through a text message. And it seems unprofessional now. But had I stayed with the company, I would have gone down with the ship or I would have been fired. Yeah. Yeah, but a, a series of things happened to me leading up to that. Um, 2006 uh, Christmas Eve, I was working shift by myself, and a lady had come in, and Blockbuster charged like ninety nine dollars on her account, and uh, she comes in and she's like, uh, "Hey, I have this ninety nine dollar charge," and with everything that's going on with the virus and everything, they've closed bars in Cleveland. And there was a bar over here in Mentor that got caught being open on St. Patrick's Day when it wasn't supposed to be. And that was one of my former customers. So that we had an investigative team from our news go in and you know, break up the party that was going on of three people at this dude's bar. But this dude used to come into Blockbuster all the time. And uh, <laughs> he threw movies at me on Christmas Eve because I couldn't figure out what was going on with this lady. And I was the only person working at the time. He said, Merry effing Christmas, threw his movies at me and then got out. He apologized the next day, but I mean, that's not cool to have movies thrown at you, you know? No, and you know, I had a very similar experience, yeah. almost word for word. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, after that, uh, there was a night that I was working and like these CSRs that I'm telling you about, uh, the one calls off because he was running a pizza business or something. So I'd worked for a shift and, uh, my assistant store manager comes in and she's like, are you staying tonight? And I go, what do you mean? She goes, oh, Brad called off. I go, serious? Brad called off? And she's like, yeah. And this is where my store manager should be coming in. You know, if, if there's no CSR, the store manager should cover it, not me. But anyway, uh, so they, the, uh, the, excuse me, the person that was covering for the district leader, because our district leader had left and gone to Target, was Patrick. Like I said, he would come into the story later on. Well, Patrick worked at the Euclid store, and then he was also uh, covering as district leader. And uh, he asked me if I would stay. Hey, can you do me a solid? Can you stay for second shift? And I said, sure. So I worked, what, nine in the morning till midnight? I was yeah. tired. I was tired, you know. And uh, I woke up late Sunday. I had to be at work Sunday morning for first shift. I'd never been up with Blockbuster, but because I opened a store late after covering a shift for my store manager and my district leader, uh, I got to the store around 11. So I opened the store about an hour late. Well, they put me on my final warning for that. <laughs> so oh. they, they were not, they, they didn't care about writing people up. You know, they, they would write you up for anything at that. Oh, point. yeah. You know, and a lot of people got fired too. 
Yeah. You know, it, it turned out my, after I left, my store manager was fired. The lady that I worked with at Men Are on the Lake, who was asking me how many movie passes I sold, she was fired. Uh, my old store manager got fired after that. So it, it wasn't a good time. They were just firing people left and right, but they were also closing stores. And I think they were paying severance packages at the time. So they that were why they were trying to fire people as much as they were. Yeah, they they, they started firing like crazy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure every, everyone I used to work with. And these were great people that gave their all for the company that was still working after right. I left. Right. Got, got, and they came up with weird reasons to fire them. They started moving them around to random stores. They were doing badly. And then blaming the bad store on them so they could get rid of them. It was exactly very weird. It was happening here. And yeah, I, I had a district leader. It turned out that Patrick did not get the district leader spot. So a guy named Paul came in and he was hired as the district leader. And Paul actually loved me. Me and Paul got along great. And Paul's plan for me was to give me my own store eventually. He's like, we got to get you to assistant store manager. We got to make you a store manager. He goes, you're too good at what you do. But I had just had enough with what was going on in my store at the time that I quit. But had I followed Paul's plan, I wouldn't have the job I have now and I wouldn't be where I am now. So yeah, quitting the way I did probably wasn't the most professional, but Geauga Lake closed for good in 2007. And that's what I really wanted to do with my life was try and figure out how I could work at Geauga Lake full time. So right. that closed for good. And then two months after that, I got the career I have now. So I've been with my job at the utility company for three years or 13 years now. See, that's awesome. And that's yeah. that's another good thing I've heard from most of these people is they've ended up at long-term careers like that the same way. I mean, exactly. I was in college, so I had a weirder mix of I was already trying for something else, but I, I would have gladly worked for Blockbuster forever had it been a viable position. Yeah, um, I'd, love, I'd love to know. So you were a store manager at 18? You're running a store? <laughs> yeah. So how that happened, yes. Um, so it was a weird turn of events. So it, we had the same crew in the store in Salem, Massachusetts for what seemed like a lot longer, but was probably only like two years. Right. Back and, then, everything just seemed so long. You know, yeah. I was only there two and a half years, but it seemed like in today's time, six years. Right. And those those were, those were my, my wedding party friends, right? Okay. Those people I've stayed with forever. And they moved my store manager to the Woburn store, which mm -hmm. is um, probably like 20, 25 minutes from the Salem store. So a little bit, a little bit further down towards Boston. And um, that store turns out, he calls us up and is like, you know, this store, this store is a mess. And <laughs> the problem was, is they were sending that store manager to our store. So they left Scott with that guy's assistant store manager, but sent him to our store. What wow. Scott ended up finding out is the two of them were stealing from the company. Okay. Yeah. He I, could only he could only prove the assistant store manager. But what the way that he ended up convincing the company to get rid of the assistant store manager was they traded him for me, and I was a part time CSR at seventeen years old. Okay. All right. So I come down to the Woburn store and they make me a shift leader and then make me the assistant store manager to take over for this guy. That guy okay. who's back at the store I was in gets fired. Okay. And then the store manager ends up quitting and they get a new manager. And so part of my crew I used to work with gets this better guy. And this guy that was there was terrible. We, we hated him. Okay. Um, so now I'm with, <laughs> now I'm with my buddy, Scott, I'm the assistant store manager. 
but I was also in college. So they, he made me the assistant store manager one, cause he wanted to get me more money and two, because that summer was, a, you know, it was the summer of 2004 or 2005. So it was like right. that peak and he needed someone that could really, um, you know, work. So, you know, we, we go through like May and June and everything's going great. And I'm working, you know, like crazy long shift weeks and the store is running great. Well, oiled machine. This was the regional office store. Yeah. And he breaks his leg at work. He's like loading a box and just twists the wrong way. And his knee just goes. And he gets put on leave for two months. So he's gone for July and August. And so, or Ju- July, August, and September, actually. So I step up and become the store manager and say, you know, okay, when it when the fall hits and I got to go back to school, I can still be the assistant store manager, but I can only work weekends. So right. I'll do Friday close, Saturday close, Sunday open. Because <laughs> I was crazy. Um, and... I'll work with Scott on the schedules and stuff and the paperwork he can do while he's out. You know, I went over his house basically every day and we worked out the coordination of the store, but you need to train someone to take over for me if Scott's not going to be back. Okay. And that, that ended up being hell. They, they brought in a training um, manager who had never worked for the company before. And she on the shifts when I wasn't there drove the store into the ground and I got blamed for it. And Scott got blamed for not training me. Right. So then when he, so I quit, um, I, I was coming into work, um, and got in a car accident and called up and called up the district leader and said, you know, I'm not going to be able to come in tonight. Oh, we'll send you a cab. And I went, you know what? I quit. Like <laughs> I was so, done. I'm like, that's so I'm done. So you're familiar with the quitting no two weeks notice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because I was, yeah. you know, and then they brought my store manager back and hit him with all of this stuff after he healed up and then moved him to another store and fired him. Oh, God. So so it was real bad. And at the time, his best friend um, was working as a store manager for the Stoneham store. And he was helping me cover some shifts in my store because, you know, I was the ASM working as a store manager. Turns out... He had gotten like a girl pregnant and was returning movies on his account and taking the money like oh, movies. Wow. And so he got in trouble and fired during all this too. And they blamed okay. that on Scott, even though it was unrelated. Yeah. So it was just a big mess. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, so that, that was my time working up the store manager at 18 years old. And then I, was in college and my uh, my stipend work for the research job that I did fell through for a summer and I needed a job in a pinch so I called my my friend Michelle who was another one of the managers I worked with up and said hey could I come in and work as a CSR for the summer and she said yeah and she was able to get me my assistant store manager pay as a CSR that's awesome that's the thing so you quit on your district leader and then you come yep. back as a CSR. Was the district leader okay with that, or was the it district leader no longer worked for the company? Okay, wow. Because I was wondering that. I'm like, how did this dude get his job back like that? You know. Well, yeah. it's crazy. That happened so many times. So many people that got illegitimately fired. Yeah. We were able to make cases to get them back. My friend Jeremy, um, again, not not he'll even admit to this. Wasn't the most like proactive employee in the world, but right. he was a good employee. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, he just, he, he, he definitely took advantage of some of the things of the company, but, um, he, he did what he needed to do and he's a great guy. Right. Um, you know how like 
everybody took home field destroy tapes. Yeah, you know, I everybody. See, VHS tapes were pretty much uh, laundered out. Or DVDs in general. Yeah. General, no, it, right. I, I never did. We had the DVD destroyer. But okay. I, I, should, I should have. You know, I wish I would have taken more because it doesn't exist. You know? Well, well everybody did. This yeah. was a known thing. It, it, we weren't robbing anybody. You know what I mean? Right, we just exactly. wanted to move. So, but, but here's the deal. What ended up happening was Jeremy gave, an, gave one of him and my friend Paul's mutual friends an employee discount on Paul's account. And there was somebody, neither one of these two people, that was being investigated for stealing from the company. Uh So they went through every discretion they could find in someone's account. Well, when they found this, they decided that this person that was stealing might have been Jeremy. Uh And so they got a warrant to search everybody's house and found all the previewed tapes and, and, and fired him. So we made a case about two years later to get Jeremy's job back, and we won because they basically said, you know what, everybody does this. Jeremy had to give up all of his previewed tapes that he had taken back to the company, you know, and whatever. But we got him his job back, and it was great, you know. Because, again, did they have legitimate reason? Okay, you know, you can't, if you're investigating, you can't just pretend you didn't find that. Right. You know what I mean? But but at the same time, you know, going to anybody's house, we all would have lost our jobs. You know, and that was funny. Yeah, those field destroyers, even for candy, you know, open them up and then throw them, throw them in the bag. Yeah, like, yeah. They're they're past their due date, so you do have to. You can't donate them to a food bank. But yeah, I just I found it silly. You know. But yeah, um, speaking of losing your job, <laughs> um, th- this has been a great conversation. But I have to get back to mine. Yeah, um, no problem, man. But um, I would love to have you on again because it sounds like we could talk forever. Oh, for sure. Yeah, let me know any Monday. I'm free, man. All right. So, uh, you know, is there anything you want to pitch, plug anything, you know, something you're a fan of, something you do tell the world about? Um, go for it now if you want. I, I don't have anything on the top of my head. All right. Well, we'll just say that he pitched the Talkbuster podcast. Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah no. we'll do that. Sounds great. All man. right. Thank you, Kevin, for uh, for coming on. Um, and uh, thank you for making it a Talkbuster night or day. And please be kind. Rewind, everybody. And we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. You have a good one.